0: I really believe that the people that are working within the system are doing their absolute best to provide really beautiful care for their clients, their patients and the people in there. But looking outside of those systems allows us to look at human beings as whole and find them, you know, new resources and new ways to be able to do things. And it takes them out of the need for just the diagnostic and the label and it looks at them as a holistic whole person.
1: Welcome to the self-love podcast. This week, I have the absolute pleasure of bringing to you an exceptional soul, someone who thinks very deeply, someone who expands all possibility of thinking. You're going to love this podcast. Lynn Rain is an integration mentor and clinical hypnotherapist specializing in helping humans bring the multiple facets of themselves together for deeper clarity, alignment, and embodiment. She has a diverse background in somatic emotional intelligence and regulation. She's a mental health and wellness expert, guiding artists and creators, entrepreneurs and business owners through her private mentorship and in-person events. This beautiful soul is a mother of five. She's a published author about to release another new book. She's an advanced clinical hypnotherapist, holistic counselor, master practitioner in NLP, master practitioner in timeline therapy, a Reiki practitioner, breathwork meditation facilitator, and this exceptional soul holds connection circles and retreats. I know you're going to love hearing today's conversation. Get ready, get yourself a cup of tea. And make sure you're nice and relaxed as you listen to this deep dive conversation really into what it means to be human. I hope you enjoy the show and cannot wait to hear your comments and feedback on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28, my Facebook page, which is Kim Morrison Training. And of course, you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast, where you get to share and promote beautiful interviews just like this. I want to thank you for your five-star rating. It helps us get the messages of self-love and self-care out there even more. And I want to thank you once again for being a part of the Self Love Podcast. Take care and enjoy today's show. As you know, my favorite task every week is to bring to you a delightful soul, someone who inspires and delights me and why I want to share them with you is because I think they're pretty freaking extraordinary. This week, I would love to welcome to the show the beautiful Lynn Rain. Welcome, gorgeous girl. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) What a treat. We've been trying to do this podcast for a while and we're both incredibly full on and busy, you in particular, with all the knowledge and skills that you have. But before we dive deep into who you are and what you do today, perhaps you could give us all a little brief background. Where are you from? Where have you been raised? What's led you into all the work that you do today?
0: Oh, wow. Um, So I was born in Glasgow in Scotland. And I moved to Australia when I was turning four, and I've lived all over Australia, um, but grew up in Victoria uh, and moved from Victoria when I was 16. And then, um, yeah, I've moved all over Australia um, because my um, husband was in the army. And, um, yeah, now I'm living in beautiful South Australia. And
1: as you think about that, moving around and being married to someone in the army, explain to us a little bit about then the diversity. I mean, Scotland to Australia and all over, even Australia itself is full of diversity. What is it that you love most now about being based in South Australia? Is that where you see yourself
0: for now? Um, Well, I've lived in South Australia for the past nine years, uh, but i I'm heading to Queensland uh at the end of next year so um at the uh end of t- 2023 or January 2024 um but some I'm actually pretty gypsy at heart so um moving around has been um like inspirational and um, soul pleasing for me um, because I love meeting new people and I love being in new places. And um, yeah, so like living that defence lifestyle for like 14 and a half years was um, just a real big blessing in itself.
1: Yeah. And it's quite a fascinating one, isn't it, when you think about it? I don't think many of us really can fully comprehend the defence lifestyle Could you explain to us a little bit about how you guys managed to make that work? You've had children. Tell us a little bit about your family background now.
0: Yeah. So um, uh, Jim and I already had um, kids before he joined the Army. Um, We actually got together when we were um, 16 and 18 Um, So we've been together for 24 years. Um, We live separately now, but um, we're best friends and still together. We just have a different relationship dynamic. But at the time we had, um, we have four children when he joined um, and they were all pretty close together in age. Um, And I found it much easier to move when they were young, um, when they got to around their teenage years. So then it started to get a little bit challenging, but um, that's, why we were, we were so happy to be in South Australia and be sort of planted in one place. Um, But um, yeah, like it's fun. It was exciting. Um, Having to move every couple of years, um, just it wasn't, it was a feat in its own, uh, but we had a lot of help from the Defence Force because they help you move. um, Like not knowing where you're going to be living next, like having to pick your house from, you know, the internet and, um, you know, not getting to see what it's like until you arrive there and there was like lots of curiosity and, um, you know, um, even though um, like there was a lot of upheaval and newness um, to it, there was always like, okay, well, there was this collective um, family and ability to be able to relate to the other people that were in defence families because they knew what it was like to be constantly on the move. Um, So even though we were moving to new towns and new states, um, there was that tight-knit sort of community around the families that, you know, um, that were doing the same thing. So even though you would be making, you know, taking new jobs, I had to get a new job every time we moved, um, you know, and meet, meeting new friends outside of the Defence Force, we were lucky because we had the Defence community and other, and we had other families and um, people that understood and knew what it was like to to do what we were doing, so...
1: It is a very tight network. Um, You can look at the police force, paramedics, medical, defence. There is something very special about that connection, that sense of community. With your children, how did they cope with all the changes? And then how did you lead as a mum and a dad to make them feel safe and secure, knowing that moving was an adventure as opposed to an upheaval?
0: Yeah, well, our like I said, our kids are really close in age. Um, right now they're 21, 20, 19, nearly 17 and 11. So our young guys, the one with the biggest gap, but the four elder ones. Um, we did so many things together as a family. Like we had it as like a family ritual that we would eat dinner together every day. Uh, we had breakfast together when their dad was home. Um, on the weekends, we always um, had meals together. We did lots of family activities, lots of board games, all of those sorts of things. Um, and they would, that was the one constant thing that we had was each other. So we had a really tight knit family. Um, like I said, it didn't really get Um, too challenging until the kids got a little bit older because then they started um, you know really forming deeper connections and friendships so um, we requested to stay in South Australia while they were studying um, in high school um, just so that they had more continuity and and felt like secure in their studies and their relationships that they were building um, with their friends.
1: Let's talk about you then. I mean, as a mum and a wife in that kind of life and environment, as you said, you had to adapt and change and make new friends and create new circles of influence. What led you into the work that you're doing? What were you doing when you say you were looking for work? And then what's brought you into the realm of work that you're doing now?
0: Yeah, okay. So before um, before he joined the Army, I worked in healthcare Um I started in healthcare when I was 19 years old, um, and then my I went between working and studying um, because I love to learn and study. Um, so I studied um, patient services, and then I did phlebotomy, and then I worked. I uh, did I did attend university and was um studying to be a nurse but at the time he was away um on like exercise and things like that so and because we were living in darwin at the time and i didn't have any family there um i had to withdraw because i couldn't commit to the like the placements and things like that so um but I'm happy that that worked out the way that it was. So I worked um predominantly in aged mental health. So um and being in a care service role there is always um the need for that. Uh so um it would just be about me finding a new place um to settle into and work work to. Um And then as that kind of grew and evolved um, and working in the health system, I kept furthering my studies and um, started my diploma in counselling. And then I was looking at other modalities and things like um, NLP and hypnotherapy and um, energetics and those sorts of things. And, um, And then I decided to work for myself. Um, And the real shift from that came from being in the system and understanding that there was a framework um, that there was only so much you could do in that. uh, Whereas um, I'm pretty creative and um, I I love the adaptability and the freedom that I have from running my own business, still being able to be in service to people uh, and help them with their mental wellness um, and lots of other facets of their life. uh, But being able to do it in a way that supports me um, to flourish as well and to also be here for my family.
1: I understand that in the medical and mental health world, there is these guidelines and boundaries and things like that. And I've spoken to a couple of people who've been in both worlds of the medical or the infrastructure of what those kind of systems are, and they definitely have a place. But as you mentioned, with things like NLP, hypnosis, somatic emotional intelligence, all of that how has that expanded your consciousness around how much further and bigger and broader you can go? Is that something that's important to you?
0: Oh, it absolutely is. Um, Like, I really believe that the people that are working within the system are doing their absolute best to provide really beautiful care for their clients, their patients and the people in there. But Looking outside of those systems allows us to look at human beings as whole and find them, you know, new resources and new ways to be able to do things. And it takes them out of the need for just the diagnostic and the label and it looks at them as a holistic whole person. Um, and I found that um and I found that healing in itself.
1: Can you explain then, as you just mentioned, this is quite a big aha, in my humble opinion. That we get a diagnostic or a diagnosis and we get a label associated to it. In your understanding of that and the work that you now do, how do people let go of those labels or those diagnoses and not live into that story long term? Like, what is it that you see that's important about evolving through those labels or diagnoses?
0: Yeah, so um, I even myself have been through life where I've been assigned different labels um, and diagnosis, and um, I feel like they can be really helpful, especially for people that are navigating their mental wellness and understanding, oh, this helps me to make sense of a lot of things but it can become restricting when they start to identify as I have this and this is only the way that I can live Um, you know and look there are people that experience a full range a full spectrum of difficulties and challenges um, that fall under different categories but being able to like de-identify yourself as just oh i have this or i am that um allows you to look outside of um just the diagnosis and really self empower you to be to look into how you can um how you can grow and what things work for you and what things don't work for you um i'm just trying to think of how else i can explain this it's um, quite complex isn't it and yeah it is I because think... the as i've said this to Um, I said this in my own personal experience, like I said this to my psychiatrist quite a few years ago um, because I had been diagnosed with something and then I went through a lot of um, cognitive behavioural therapy and dialectal behavioural therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy and all these sorts of things. And um, I'd been on medication for a little while and um, I'd gone back and seen him and he said, look, you don't meet the criteria um, to have this label anymore Um, but you are a person that still experiences these things and we have this conversation around how um, how they can apply a label or apply an assessment to something that is a subjective experience to the person that's actually having it and they're like um coming in with an objective experience of that and just the understanding of like the things like the DSM and the labels and the diagnostic tools they're tools they're a record of behaviors and um emotions and things that are experienced by a broad range um of people and it's there as a tool for to help physicians be able to understand okay well they're experiencing this they could fall under that but I think the trap and the tricky part is is that's when people um will okay will then self-identify as I have this and this is um I, this is me forever. Um whereas I feel like um if the access um To services was much more easier um, to access within the system, then people would be able to um, get the skills and tools and knowledge to be able to help themselves through that. And they would find that they don't actually, you know, they may not meet the criteria. There's still a human being who experiences life in their way, in their world. Um, And that's that they're all unique and different.
1: I really like what you say about that, because I think for many of us, you really nailed it, that we do sometimes want the diagnosis. We do. It does help us to make sense of something. And we do feel more comfortable that we're not making it up or it's not in our head or there is a reason for why we're having or going through what we're going through. But what I particularly love about the work that you do is enabling people to go beyond the identity, beyond the diagnosis. But more importantly, as you just mentioned, seeing the person, the human being as a whole, do you think there is a system breakdown or do you think there's a place for both, um, you know, the systematic way of looking at things and then the more, I guess the word I'm probably going to use is holistic. Do you see there's a place for both? And if so, how?
0: Well, I think that there already is both happening um, parallel to each other Um like in terms, for instance, if you think of education and you have like the mainstream education, then you have the alternative school like the Steiners and those sorts of schooling systems that um, have a little bit more free flow in how they teach and their different models of teaching. Um, but just like using the education model, for instance, for you to be able to access um, support for your child um, at a government or a private school if they are on the autism spectrum or if they have any kind of um, disabilities or things like that you need a diagnosis for them to be able to get funding for you for them to help so it's like built into the system so um like um (laughs) if 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 the whole system shifted and they found a way to be able to um implement the infrastructure that um that could support that then then yeah but i think that that would take a huge like a huge collective shift from mm-hmm. not just um you know not just the education department but also from you know the health department and you know it would take many many people um you know and i and i have friends and family um that have struggled to get support because their children haven't you know met the exact criteria or ticked enough boxes to be able to get support and you know and the kids need the support whether they have a label or not um so like they already are like i said working parallel with each other but i think um uh like humans as a whole um you know need need something to change
1: Mm, Agreed. You call yourself an integration mentor and clinical hypnotherapist. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do on a daily basis and what makes you feel so good in the work that you're doing in this day and age.
0: Yeah, so the reason why I love um, using integration as a um, description to what it is that I do is is that humans are multifaceted. Um, We're complex creatures And, um, it's, I'm passionate about helping people bring all of those parts of themselves together, who they show up as when they're, when they're in their career at work, who they are when they're a parent or who they are when they're in a relationship, um, who they are with their friends, you know, like all these different, you know, we're made to wear very many different hats these days. And it's like, well, how do I bring all this of me together? How do I work? Um, how do I work out? what's right for me and how I show up in my life. Um, You know, a lot of the people that I work with have studied lots. They've explored like different um, modalities. They've like, they've been engrossed in a lot of different learnings, very similar to my own self journey as well. Um, And they've just been on that path of like finding out who they are uh, and really coming back into the space of being Autonomous and having self-sovereignty and knowing that, you know, how do I lead myself Um, and encompassed in that is a lot of mental wellness and um, a lot of emotional emotional regulation and understanding, self-connection. Um, and, like, how do I implement that into all of the things that are happening in my life so that I'm not just trying to create functionality in order but so that my life actually feels like it's flourishing.
1: I hear you speaking in that way, and I really love the word self-connection. There's Mm -hmm. that real sense of when we are truly connected to oneself, we could know oneself do we really know oneself or are we this ever-changing anatomical lump of meat that has this incredible <laughs> emotional capacity to feel and be all things? Let's go down that rabbit hole. How yeah. do you, what do you mean when you say self-connection?
0: Oh, so I, I actually really agree with you there. Like I think we are forever changing um, and evolving and growing. Um, I feel that every relationship that we have with everyone also shines a different facet on who we are and and those sorts of things as well. So I feel like it's about um a continuous connection it's not like you you're like yep i know this and then i tick the box and i'm done it's like a continue a continuous communion with with the spirit of who you are um whether you subscribe to you know god or spirit or however you whatever model of consciousness you um aligns with you but it's like that that continuous communion with with the spirit of who you are And how you express yourself um, in your life.
1: I love that. I love it so much and it even takes me then if we're talking self-connection I want to ask then what is your definition of self-love? Is it similar or is it different?
0: I think the self-love is the gratitude for um, for just being able to be in the present moment and Oh, I think it encompasses so many things. Like when you think about what love is, um, you know, we think of love as an emotion, but I don't think that you could really describe, like I think it encompasses so many emotions. So for me, when I think about self-love, it really means having, holding myself in reverence and gratitude for um, being present and being able to experience all aspects of my life even the not so nice ones the shitty times as well um just really being able to to hold myself and to witness myself um through my life so beautiful yeah like I think of it in practical terms as well like you know yes I have lots of self-care practices and things that I do um that light up my life and my being and things that make me happy Um, but I think at the root of all of that is really just the gratitude and the reverence.
1: Yeah beautiful words you you mentioned there about you know self-care and doing these things that light us up to to be a best and better version of ourselves in your experience and in your clinic and the things that you do Do you have any examples of some of the things that you've done with people in order to see them go from here to here? Is that the ultimate uh, pathway that you look at to help someone go from somewhere to somewhere else? Or what else is it that you have examples of in your clinic of people who have really made the done the work and made the shifts and changes?
0: yeah absolutely so first of all i say to the people that i work with that i'm not going to prescribe them a morning ritual or a this is how you abc do the things um what we do is we start to um uh we start with self exploration um about connecting them within within connecting them into their feelings and um and how they actually feel in certain things they're doing in their life. So I ask them, um, for instance, you know, when are you naturally um, feeling your most energetic? Um, What season are you currently in in your life? Because you may not, I'm not trying to implement them to adapt a new ritual. I want to draw out from them what already is a natural flow or, you know, behaviour for them. And they start to identify with, well, actually, when I'm doing this, this is when I actually feel most lit up and alive. And then they start to realize that they may have not noticed or they've edited out the things that are um, that are actually bringing them joy in their life. And that could be as simple as just sitting out on their back porch having a cup of tea, um, you know. So it's really about like uh, reframing and reconnecting them into their present state of where that is. And then looking at okay, well, what is it that I would like to bring more into my life? And then um, you know, then we'll start to make um, some strategies and shifts around um, you know, and bringing them bringing more in. But they're all self initiated, um, and they're all drawn out from inc- like questions that I ask them, um, and which they connect in with themselves. Ask themselves, they see how they feel with that in their body, um, you know, and really making sense of how they're their body, their body mind um, communicates with them. And I also invite people to think of their mind as something that is not just in their head that their mind is an embodied experience and that they're in constant relationship with their mind um, and their body all the time and it's always speaking to them. They're in relationship with their outside world and they're always receiving feedback and they're always transmitting something. Um, So it's really about learning how to self-navigate and that's something that I can't prescribe them. I just help them to find that place within themselves so that they start um, to strengthen that. Um, communication within themselves, and then they naturally make the changes. I think
1: you're making a really good point here. You're not there to fix anybody. You're not there to, to change anybody. You're there to give them the curiosity, the education, the tools, and the insight in order for them to create the change if that's what they're after. I want to ask you a question then. Are we all born perfectly fine and then life experiences, personalities, all the things that we go through in life changes us, or is it that we have this inner light, this inner flame, that beautiful sovereignty that you talk about, and we just lose our way? How, where, where is that magic for you?
0: Oh, I think that there's truth in both of those statements. Um, but <laughs> you just asked me a really great contemplative question. I feel like... Or or, because you can look at it from different perspectives here. You can look at it in terms of, like, how the body grows and the brain, like, develops over time and how, um, you know, like how a child grows. Um, In terms of their mind, like, they're open and curious um, to everything. I think it's really when they start um, the natural process of seeking, um, you know, validation and their mind is making sense of things, that's when things... um, become sort of narrow if you think of it like a funnel you know um everything is opened and the potentiality and the possibility of what it is that's there but as we grow our mind and our brain is designed to funnel things out um you know otherwise the the magnificence of all of the information that's accessible to us would be overwhelming so I think that um <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm answering your question um I think that I love the fact that we've gone down a rabbit hole yeah I know, and we're both I, going hmm, yeah I know I think that you have the access to potential wholeness but like really like what does whole actually mean um does whole mean it's complete and then it's over um or does it mean that you have the connection to the whole of the potential potentiality in the universe um you know and i mean i know what i would like to subscribe subscribe to more um i don't want you know like i'm i don't feel like there's ever really a completeness, like there's a completeness in the present moment of how, who I am now, but I love being open to the potentiality of the things that I'm still here to experience and learn. Well, that it self itself
1: is a beautiful open-ended way of looking at life. And when you talk about becoming clearer or more open or more aware of the potential of who we are, what exactly would you say? How do you say that to someone that's come to you that's had maybe some trauma or they've had some sort of experience that's maybe created some limitations around what they see or think about themselves? What is it that you do to give them those tools to see beyond that experience?
0: Well, um, in the process of like that self-connection that I was talking about earlier, we really um, create the space for them to feel it and witness it and give it the give it the reverence that it's that's required for the energetic loop to close itself um because somewhere along the way there's been a disconnect between their mind emotions and their body and their nervous system so we work on creating the space for that energetic and mind loop to close itself, um, for it to be experienced. Um, and then once those things are sort of resolved, it's a natural process for it to return to wholeness. There's the word, <laughs> for it to turn for it to return to that space where it naturally um steps outside of its that boundary.
1: Well that's the the beauty of this work, right? There is the, the, the boundary continuously expands and grows and that's mm-hmm. the, beautiful, um, the beautiful dance that we have in this thing called life. Do you personally, as a mum, as a partner, as a businesswoman, all of the roles that you play, how has the work that you've done integrate into being those other roles in a personal context around your family?
0: yeah so um as I mentioned before, like I've worked in healthcare since I was a, a um a teenager um and I've had my own personal growth um and my time with dealing with my mental wellness and mental illness and things like that um and i think my from my own experience of of integrating and understanding who I am as a person, um, those facets of myself um, have all sort of moulded together quite, um, I'm not even sure of the word to use, um, fluidly. And... um, like and I can even see like I said one of my children's 21 and the uh, youngest is 11 I can definitely see um looking at how I have changed as a human being and then how I have changed as a mother um and how I even the way that I relate to my children uh has has changed so I really I really feel that it has had a lot of impact um but from the very beginning I mean I had um my I had my first child when I was 18 I had a very um A very different opinion on how I wanted to parent um, and how I wanted them to experience the world Um, and I really have fostered that through their whole um, their whole life uh, about being sovereign and um, autonomous and um, letting them I didn't want to just give them one path I wanted to give them information about multiple things and allow really encourage them and allow them to to choose the path that felt aligned for
1: them it's quite magical actually because I could imagine having five children (laughs) it doesn't matter what you teach or what your rules are or what perhaps you hold as far as family is concerned because all five of them would have very different responses how have you learned through each one of them how to be different for each situation or each thing that comes up for each of them (laughs)
0: absolutely i feel like our children are some of our greatest teachers um and i mean i i have a belief that like i'm sure i mentioned this earlier that every person reflects a different facet of ourselves they mirror that back with to us um so like it's just been a beautiful opportunity to like refine our relationships individually and, um, and to see them as individual people um, and, like, just encourage them in their own self-expression and, and who they choose to be and the things that they want to experience in their life.
1: I think it's really challenging as a mum, especially when we have our own ideals and own thoughts around how our children could be, want to keep them safe, Want to, don't want mm-hmm. them to have harm and hurt and all of those things. Yet it goes way beyond what we think. And I think what I've loved about having children is, as you say, they are our greatest teacher, but they've also taught me that what I think is right for one is not necessarily right for the other. Therefore, we're also individual. In your experience as a therapist then, Do you have a pathway that you take them down and then intuitively guide your way to what that individual perhaps needs? Is it just as much a dance for you as it is for them? How do you work, particularly with all your things around being a Reiki practitioner, breath work and meditation facilitator? Like you must have this whole realm and dance with each individual client. Is that the case?
0: Yeah. So everything is really individualized and tailored. Um, I have access to all those modalities and I draw upon them when we need them. Um, I sort of have like, well, I kind of have a framework in terms of how um, we begin and, um, you know, what I, the questions and things like that, that I take them through in the beginning. But it's really about them being able to step into their own leadership in and um, through that self-connection um with themselves so we start identifying you know where their starting point is and where they're at and then through those questions and then through them they we kind of co-create we co-create it together and then I just use the tools and the modalities and things that I have to help them along that path so each person that I work with um um is unique um yeah
1: I love that. And I love the fact that no two things are ever the same. No prescription is ever the same and no pathway is ever the same. I imagine for you too, with each client, you yourself goes through a growth process. And i just love to ask you, what has this work given to you personally?
0: Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> um, beautiful, enriching mirrors and relationships. Um Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> like I said, um, you know, I see every person as a different, you know, reflecting, different facet of ourselves. So, you know, and it's a co-creation that I get. So, you know, as they're learning and growing, I'm also learning and growing as well about human behavior. It's, it's given me a deeper connection to myself, um, you know, uh, and also a very humble, um. Like I said, I've used reverence a lot of time, you know, because I'm able to, these people are entrusting me and also investing in themselves. Um, so, you know, that's a very, um, that's a privilege, you know, um, and I think that that needs to be held with high regard. Um, yeah, for myself, it's really um it really connects with my core values of like freedom and expression and connection and, uh, you know, and being able to um, do that in my daily life um, just fills, fills up my my soul.
1: I can imagine and I can see even in the time that we've spent together just how much each of us have grown mm. through the work and the trainings that we've done. I'd love to ask you and take a slightly different tack. I'd love to hear a little bit more about breathwork and meditation and how you implement that or why you think that is such an important part of self-connection. Could you explain to us exactly what you mean when you are talking breathwork and meditation?
0: Yeah, so um, I had experienced um, being a participant in breathwork immersions and um for myself in my own experiences of being a participant the the way that it helped me to connect with my body I mean we're breathing all the time and we do it unconsciously um but it's the very thing that keeps us alive uh but we don't we we've gone into a space where we just do it so naturally that we don't understand how potent and how um how incredible it is so as I was journeying through my own like self-healing and remembering and those sorts of things every time I would step into a, a space that that where I was assisted through breath work I experienced such a deeper connection within myself and it also offered me the opportunity to like really connect in with the conduit of my body and hold space for the feelings and emotions and the sensations that I that I felt so um, when I did my breathwork facilitator training I did it with the intention to gain more knowledge around how it worked in in our day-to-day life Um, so I don't hold um like group group breath work or things like that i just um tend to use it one-on-one um with my clients and teach them how they can get into connect- deeper connection with their breath so that they um so that they when they're moving through processes of connecting in with their emotions and their sensations in their body that um that instead of going off in their mind space and and um a a lot of the time when that happens and their nervous system goes into the state of like either fight or flight or whatnot your breathing tends to be shallow so um when i teach them you know just really simple pranayama breath work um i don't do um holotropic breath work and things like that with them because i because i work online and i really feel like those sorts of practices in breath work need to be done in person so you know you're Be're able to assist people if they need it and intervene, so I just um teach them um some simple breath work techniques sometimes I um do some open mouth breathing with them and um work at doing some somatic practices and stuff to help them feel comfortable experiencing the emotions and sensations that they have in their body at that time yeah, and it really so just fun. yeah, really just helps them to get into um into the into the uh, space of allowing what's happening, the experience of what's happening. Because a lot of the time, um, you know, when you're in that state, you, um, you're, like I said, you, sh- your breath becomes shallow and your body starts to contract. And it, and for us to be able to complete that energetic space, that, that, that loop I, that I spoke of, we need to be in a space of ease and openness.
1: Well, I know for myself that the breath, can help us stay so calm a lot of people are put off doing internal work or doing the work on themselves or feeling like they'll just get through it or bury it as such and yet i had a beautiful um practitioner that i would see at times and her whole line was you have to feel it to heal it Mm -hmm. and i feel like breath work is a way of accessing those feelings without losing your shizzle, <laughs> without <laughs> losing it completely and actually moving through, growing through what you're going through. And when we access breath work, and when we access that real deep state of self, there is a real honouring, and, and I'm going to use your word, and reverence for life and, as it is. Who are your clients? What would someone want to come and see you? Who, why would they ring you? I want people to know if they're listening to this, what you would help them with.
0: Yeah. So, um, predominantly at the moment, um, my clients are other practitioners. They're in some kind of healing um, or holistic um, practitioner space. They're entrepreneurs. They're even business people who um, are managing lots of things. Um, and it's really about, they're looking for that. How do I bring this all together? Because I am the pillar of my life. Um, so they're coming and they're wanting to work on themselves because they know that when they work on with themselves and they strengthen that, that it affects all the facets of their life. And sometimes some, you know, some cogs or things maybe just um not running as smoothly as they could. Um so I'm just there to help guide them back into that space where they are able to step into leading themselves in a more fluid and you know flourished way.
1: Is it fair to say then that overwhelm uh, that word it comes up a little bit at the moment that sometimes when we get overwhelmed either with fatigue or it's something physical with disease or something like that or overwhelmed with the responsibility of say being a parent or being a business owner or the sheer exhaustion of trying to get through day-to-day life with all the ever changes, particularly over these last three or four years, is it, is, is overwhelm, is, is that what you're trying to help bring us back in? Or maybe the word is, is it clarity and more ease that you bring for each client?
0: Yeah, and I think, it, yeah, I, I feel like that's a good description, but there's also a... Um, like a naturalness because I always say to them, you know, like you can't get you wrong, like being you, you can't get that wrong. Like when life feels too abrasive, it's because you're not within your own resonance Um, You know, like I said earlier, like it's great to learn new things and to seek information outside of us and to ask other people for guidance and things like that. But it's really through our own refinement and our discernment and using our inner integrity and our inner compass of like, does this actually feel right for me? Is this for me? And I think that the overwhelm and that sort of thing happens from trying to mold ourselves or shape ourselves or conform to the ways of other people or the world or our circumstances or our environments. Um, And that takes us out of our natural energetic resonance.
1: Beautiful way to describe it.
0: If there was, the, this is a
1: self-love podcast. This this is for people who are really enjoying listening to and being inspired by leaders, thought leaders, practitioners, beautiful souls who really are making a difference in the world. If there was such a thing as legacy, what would Lynn Rain want to leave as her legacy on this planet, apart from five extraordinary children <laughs> and a business and having impact in so many different ways? What would you say is the purpose of you, the, the legacy that you intend to leave?
0: Oh, I would want people to know that they innately know how to lead themselves, um, that being in the present moment is all that they really ever need. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many things. I would want them to um, to know just how intricate and expansive and beautiful that they are um, as they are and that it's okay to want things and they know how to lead themselves to get there. That That's the key, isn't it?
1: We actually all do have that internal compass. It's the distractions, the experiences, the meanings that we put into things that can defer us or detract us from our true purpose and true um, pathways How do we limit these distractions? What is your thoughts around not getting bombarded by external beliefs or external pressures or things like that? How do we stay true to that path for us?
0: I think you integrate it as part of a self-love and really like not curate yourself, but curate what you allow um, in your field um and also stay open to to being um skeptical not in the sense where you're like um you know worried about things and stuff but really um asking is this true and real for me um you know and um you know and also being open to questioning your own beliefs um because underneath your beliefs, you have your values and those sorts of things. And like, beliefs can change. Um, and they, they're there to serve a purpose. And if they're not supporting you, um, and if it's someone else's beliefs that's been passed on to you, or etc, like, you don't have to um, conform to what other people say, like, Yeah, so even question your beliefs. I've changed so many of mine over the years and I still, even the things that I say that I believe in now, I remain, um, you know, open to exploring more of that because that allows me to continue to grow.
1: That's so beautifully said because I think if we can stay curious, stay open, And never think, and even that's a limitation, (laughs) but staying open to the possibility that things are ever changing. Language is such an important part of the way in which we perceive and communicate with the world. Knowing how important those neural pathways are, the way we language things and the way we communicate and understand one another are you just as blown away in the fact that we humans even get along in the first place and then also just how extraordinary we are? What's your thoughts around that side of things?
0: Oh, I um, I I love to feel, like to think and feel that we are connected, that we are consciousness experiencing itself individually. Um, so I feel that there's always a connection there no matter how different that we are. Um, But I also really love to think that, you know, like our mind is in service to us. Um, It's a way for us to make sense and make meaning.
1: Yeah. So powerful. And I think even understanding what we make meaning of being open to the fact, like you just said before, that those meanings and those thoughts can be ever changing as well that there is nothing ever really fixed, that we are fluid beings continuously evolving on the path of, whether you want to call it enlightenment or self-reflection and knowing, whatever it is. In your humble experience, what is the purpose of life?
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Just to experience like I think it's that simple to just be in awe. Uh, when you say that, like the inner child in me is just so lit up and happy <laughs> because it just wants to explore. I just want to explore. And um yeah, no matter if it means, you know, the full spectrum of emotions and feelings and um, you know, just, just to experience. And just to be here and just be present is all the meaning that it needs.
1: Yeah, we get so distracted from that truth, that beauty, that exact moment of what it actually means to be here and what a privilege this thing called life is. I want to ask you one other question around challenge. We all have different challenges, different times in our life where we may be hurt or we may feel not heard or we may feel quite disconnected in your thoughts, feelings and emotions. How on earth do we stay in that realm of curiosity and that childlike inner aweness? I just made that word up. How do we <laughs> stay there?
0: Um Okay, so I I think it's in the allowing yourself to not have to stay there, that accepting that it's okay to have, you know, hard times, um, to, to allow yourself to experience the full spectrum of the emotions and the challenges and the things that you have and, like, that it doesn't need to be, like, I don't know, quote, good all the time. Um,
1: Yeah. Isn't that the truth, though? So many of us are in pursuit of happiness or the good all the time. We actually forget sometimes to embrace those challenges or embrace the hardship, knowing that here's another opportunity for more growth and curiosity. Very hard to say that in the depths of despair or high emotional pain or feelings that life it's not great. How? What, what would be your advice on how if someone's listening to this right now and they are in the throes of a massive challenge, you are obviously saying that through the process of allowing and surrendering, we will get through those. Is that
0: kind of where you're going with that,
1: and yeah. to just really feel it?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and be curious with what it is that they're feeling and um allow themselves because i think that when we get into those places of the heavy emotions or the hard sort of places we're like we just want it to be over um and sometimes we try and rush that we rush our grieving we rush the process um because we're just wanting to get back to this other state um and um just know that it, that it does end everything changes that's the only constant thing in life um and um be gentle with yourself while you're there and seek help and support from others if you need it. Like you're definitely not alone. Mm.
1: And I think that's the beauty of the work that you do. So on that note, someone's listening to this, they resonate with your language, the way you speak, your heart, your essence, your soul. How can people work with you? How can they find you? Where do we, where do we get to find the beautiful Lynn? <laughs>
0: Um, so you can find me on social media, uh, on my website, Light of Expression. Um, I'm also on Instagram as well and Facebook. I don't really spend a lot of time on Facebook um, except for some private groups that I'm in. But I, spend, I hang out mostly on Instagram when I am on social media, but through my website is um, is where you'll find all the information on how to connect with me. And if you want to follow um, any of the quirky things that I share and my unique life, then I'd suggest going and following me on Instagram It's um, underscore Light of Expression underscore.
1: Perfect. And if someone wanted to book with you, can they book through that beautiful website of yours, Light of Expression?
0: Is yes. it lightofexpression.com? Yes, lightofexpression.com.
1: Yeah, perfect. And they can connect with you on there to book a, a session or to have a uh, some sort of conversation with you to think if they're the right person to work with you. Yes,
0: absolutely. All of the link, um, all of the um, ways that we can work together are on my website um, through the link that's in my bio on Instagram. It also has a collective of other links for free resources, um, my Insight Time um, and meditations, uh, and a book that I co collaborated in a couple of years ago and soon to be my new poetry book that's going to be up as well. Um, So there's multiple different ways that they can get inside my world and connect with me.
1: You are a phenomenal soul. It's been an absolute delight and absolute treasure for me to study with you, work with you, and now have the privilege of interviewing you. As we come to a close, could you perhaps share with us your, uh, a quote that you love and your final message to the self-love podcast listener?
0: Mm, you innately know how to lead yourself and just stay curious. Thank
1: you so much for being on the show. It's been a treat to have you with me, Linny. And I just want to (laughs) say to you, here's to many, many more years of deep diving conversations, rabbit hole openings, and the world (laughs) of magic in which you live. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show, my love.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and I love you.
1: Oh, well, ditto, my friend. Aren't we all mirrors of that, hey? (laughs)